This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. Today, I'll be discussing guilt, shame, remorse, regret, embarrassment, and jealousy, our moral emotions, and how to manage them. Are you sometimes annoyed or even plagued by these feelings? Our moral emotions are good because they show we have morals, values, and integrity, but they can become annoying and how to manage them is really important. Now, I'm not talking about clear-cut situations where someone's actually caused harm, broken the law, where there is legal guilt and remorse and so on, but rather social and relational situations. When we still have these feelings about something we've said or done or neglected to say or do or where others seem to be making us or trying to make us feel like this or where they've succeeded or where a situation makes us feel like this, it's time to understand why and learn to release ourselves from this debilitating and limiting set of experiences. This is called psychological guilt, shame or remorse and was originally studied in psychology by psychoanalyst Sigmund Freud who lived in the mid-19th century and early 20th century. Freud said internal guilt is based on our internal conflicts. Take, for instance, an example of internal guilt or shame, for instance, that I might have said something wrong to my friend or child or another, and I can't stop feeling like I did this, versus the external or legal guilt I might feel when I've dented someone's car and I need to leave a note on the windscreen with my contact details. One guilt is a fact due to factual physical action, and the other is a feeling of guilt from thoughts and beliefs for which the facts may not be clear-cut, real, or even rational. Guilt, shame, remorse, embarrassment, regret, and jealousy are all closely related emotions, and they're known as moral emotions with moral reasoning behind them. And they've been studied since the ancient Greek times, originally by Plato and Aristotle. These feelings arise when we believe or we realise or we think or we imagine we've compromised our own standards of behaviour or compromised the standards and values we're raised with and how we're expected to behave in society or in the world and that we're responsible or at fault for this compromise or violation of these standards or rules. Feelings are always preceded by our thoughts, our mindset or our beliefs. The words should and shouldn't are almost always found in these moral ponderings. We feel conflicted at having done or said something we believe we should not have done or said, or at having not done something we should have done or said. Should is an irrational concept. It's an irrational set of beliefs and thoughts, but our irrational part of our mind is half of our brain. It's a very real part of us and can be enormously strong and convincing. So the feelings of guilt, shame or embarrassment, regret and remorse can be fleeting just as a normal response from some self-reflection, or they can be intense and painful and not go away easily. 
And they can be therefore an indicator of an underlying dysfunction or disease when the feelings become excessive, all-consuming and interfere with our daily living, working, socialising, relationships or general functioning. Similarly, jealousy and envy can be quite normal feelings that show us that we may want what someone else seems to have. Well, that's helpful information about hidden or repressed needs or desires we might have. But if we're plagued by envy or jealousy, if these feelings fester, if we're feeling inadequate, then it's probably something we need to sort through. This shows a deeper psychological distress. So what's the science behind these moral feelings? Well, guilt and shame are particularly interesting from a psychological perspective. They tend to be passed down in families or, as psychoanalyst Freud said, to be a struggle between our ego or our personality and our superego, which is our conscience or the parental imprinting we received. Later, psychologist Alice Miller claimed that many people suffer all their lives from this oppressive feeling of guilt, the sense of not having lived up to their parents' expectations. We develop this superego, an executive function or conscience, from our childhood, very much from our parents' or carers' instructions, from strict or punishing parents or circumstances that can lead to what's called a punitive or punishing superego, a rigidity in our personality, and this leads to this excessive guilt and other feelings. This guilt has also been called false guilt, meaning that what we feel must be true and that we believe that as we feel guilty, we must be guilty. This is not rational, but again, the irrational part of our brain can dominate. Of course, none of these feelings are visible and none of what's happening is visible, so it can take a lot of soul-searching and even therapy to work out where and how our guilt or shame or other feelings may be coming from. Take the example of a child or teenager who observes their parent acting poorly or being ashamed or struggling with, say, financial or legal problems, addiction, low self-esteem, career problems, even physical or mental illness. Well, by the age of six, these things really matter to a child's view of themselves and with their peers. From age six, it's all about socialising and fitting in. No child wants their parents to have serious problems, to be different from other parents, and in a way that's embarrassing. If the parent can't resolve these problems and find peace with them and help the child to do so also, the child, teen or young adult will absorb the issue into their own psyche. That is, they will either copy the way of thinking, the moral emotion or moral judgment, or they'll think of themselves or life in the same way the parents seem to be, or to think and act in the same way. They'll make similar decisions, most likely that centred around themselves or other decisions like that. And it's how belief systems form. For instance, I should put others first. I should be nice to everyone. I shouldn't expect to try too hard or I should push myself all the time and only be the best and only being the best will be good enough. Or I'm only worthy for what I do and how I behave. Another way of looking at this is that the child will typically have difficulty growing beyond the level of the self-esteem of its parent, particularly the same-sexed parent 
or the one they identify with. This low self-esteem then becomes internalised and feelings of embarrassment, shame, etc. result in that adult child. Families often sweep their problems under the carpet. They minimise, they explain away, they laugh off or dismiss. But meanwhile, children of all ages are being impacted. And again, we can't see it, but it's happening. So by the time we're all adults, the source of our moral feelings are usually lost to us on the conscious level, meaning by the time we find guilt, shame, jealousy, regret, embarrassment are impacting our own life, we usually have no conscious understanding of why. Take, for instance, people acting out in abusing drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, who often don't know why. Take others who become very controlling of themselves or others, for instance, workaholism, eating disorders such as anorexia and bulimia. In most cases, these moral feelings and judgments are involved. As mentioned, an overly critical, punishing, tyrannical parent, a boarding school or another environmental source can contribute to this punitive or rigid superego that often plays out as perfectionism or judgment in adulthood with related things such as avoidance, procrastination, low self-esteem. Rigid beliefs are linked with mental health problems, for instance, anxiety, stress, depression, and why not? For if you know that life is innately unfair, chaotic, ruthless, and full of uncertainty, and yet your belief system says life should be black or white, predictable and certain, you're bound for misery. Take an even more complicated example of abuse and other childhood trauma. Well, this is more complicated because a child typically tries to feel safe by taking too much responsibility, by deciding they must have deserved the problems. And that's far safer than really entertaining the thought that the environment, the family is unsafe. So they feel unprotected, they are unprotected and may become super capable and as a result, be further imposed upon and burdened by their parents. And this can play out again in all areas of our adult lives, feeling guilty or ashamed with friends, overly comparing and judging ourselves, feeling jealous, envious, too responsible, bullying or being bullied. If not resolved before we partner and have children, it can play out in us feeling guilty about our children's problems or in our child playing off the other parent in making us feel embarrassed or ashamed. In couples, it can be part of dysfunctional relationships. Guilt and shame are closely related feelings with different sources. Anthropologist Ruth Benedict says shame occurs when we think we've violated cultural or social values, while guilt happens when our personal morals are violated. Shame comes from real or imagined negative perception of what others might be thinking of us, whereas guilt comes from our negative perception of what we're thinking of ourselves. Psychoanalyst Helen Block-Lewis says shame is directly about ourself as the focus of our evaluation, whereas guilt is about what we may have done. We can still have positive perceptions of ourselves, but while also feeling guilt for certain actions or thoughts we took part in. But contrary to guilt, shame has a more inclusive focus on ourselves as the whole. 
Fossiman Mason, who wrote about shame in families, said, while guilt is a painful feeling of regret and responsibility for one's actions, shame is a painful feeling about oneself as a person. Shame is also described as looking at ourselves unfavorably through the eyes of others. Psychiatrist Judith Lewis Herman says that shame is an acutely self-conscious state in which the self is split, imagining itself in the eyes of the other. By contrast, in guilt, the self is unified. As validation for how intense these moral feelings can be, researcher Paul Gilbert says that the fear of shame and ridicule can be so strong that people will risk serious physical injury or even death to avoid it. One of the reasons for this is because shame can indicate serious damage to our social acceptance and a breakdown in a variety of social relationships. And the evolutionary root of shame is in the self-focused social threat system related to competitive behaviour and the need to prove oneself acceptable or desirable to the others. To me, this research relates with other research on self-harm and suicide that shows why shame can result in these actions. Guilt, on the other hand, evolved from a place of caregiving and avoidance of any act that harms others, according to Gilbert. So what are some of the things we can do to deal with these situations? Well, remember these moral emotions of regret, shame, guilt, and so forth can be normal and part of our normal moral reasoning and conscience, or they can be a sign of something more sinister. Somewhere I picked up the phrase, guilt is a God complex. So if you're into guilt, you're playing God. To me, that means you're trying to be all things to all people and in all aspects of your life. You're saying it's not okay to make mistakes. If you still catch yourself worrying or ruminating on something you said, or neglected to say or to do, you can ask yourself, if someone else told me that they'd done that or neglected to do that and they're still worrying about it, what would I say or what would I think about that? And then you'll discover whether you're actually that judgmental about them too or not and just judgmental about yourself. And in a rational moment you might consider that one rule may not apply to others and not to your in a rational moment you might consider whether your judgment needs to apply similarly to yourself and others if you're agonizing over why someone ended or declined a relationship with you and still questioning what you may have done wrong it may end up being that you just have to accept that it is also the other person's prerogative and their decision and that it is what it is for whatever reason. Remorse can be a waste of time unless we pay it forward. If we learn, we apologise if necessary. We stay conscious. We try harder. We do better. Then remorse can be useful, but again, for the future. Goodbye letters are a standard old-fashioned therapy practice. It's where we can help ourselves find closure when we can't find the closure with other people. Goodbye letters are feelings letters. We write down our feelings as if it's the last opportunity we have to say everything we want to say to that person, to get everything off our chests and just keep going until you feel you have said everything. Creativity is another great strategy to express our feelings in art and other forms of creativity, to write stories and so forth. 
inner child work is excellent at healing the rift between ourselves on an adult level and these earlier younger parts that have been programmed, conditioned in perhaps ways that were too punishing. Cognitive behavioural therapy is very popular these days and there are lots of apps for cognitive behavioural therapy. Obsessive compulsive treatments may be needed as well. Journaling is another excellent resource we have where we can daily keep track of our feelings and process them. Stepping back from old roles that we may have taken on in childhood as the helper, the fixing person, the third or co-opted parent, catching ourselves people-pleasing, for instance, feeling angry at finding ourselves doing this again and again, feeling disempowered or caught up in situations where we're acting out in these pleasing ways or trying too hard or should in our mind and shoulding ourselves, so to speak. Obvious verbal times we find ourselves overly apologising. These implicit or invisible expectations we have of ourselves that we keep betraying, we keep falling short of, that may be far too judgmental. Reality checks with trusted friends or family members, a healthcare practitioner, where we can run these questions by these people and trust their judgment. Dealing with behavioural problems or acting out in ways that are bad for our health and well-being will bring peace of mind, brings release and freedom from the shame and guilt that is underpinning these behaviours. For instance, we are not our jobs if we find we're overly working. We are not even the daughter or the son or the carer or the pleaser or the fixer. We are ourselves first and foremost, free to be ourselves. Ironically, Seeking this recovery and freedom from our past can also initially produce these moral feelings of guilt and so forth, that we're doing something wrong. And that's because we're doing something different and different from what we've been conditioned to do and to think and as a mindset. So if it feels wrong, it may just be different and not wrong at all. These moral feelings in excess can be part of adjustment, loss and mental illness, such as depression, anxiety, stress, obsessive compulsive disorders and manic behaviour. For instance, guilt is a key factor in perpetuating obsessive compulsive disorder behaviours. And these moral feelings can be part of recovery from childhood problems and grief. So if they persist and distress you or people who care about you, seek help from a psychologist or your general health practitioner. If anything discussed in this podcast has caused you concern or distress, contact your general practitioner or health provider. To locate a psychologist in your area, call the Australian Psychological Society and locate Find a Psychologist Service on 1800 497 or visit www.findapsychologist.org.au. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13 11 14, and Kids Helpline, again 24-7 on 1800 1800, and both are free of charge. find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me.